0: Hey guys, this is Jonathan here for another episode of The Blind Entrepreneur. I have a dear friend of mine. He is the CEO of Chop Dog. They are a startup catapult that makes great ideas become a reality. He's 22 years old. My good friend, Josh Davidson. How are you today, my friend?
1: I'm hungry, man. That's hungry. what I am right now. Hungry? Hungry yeah,
0: in general or hungry for life?
1: Can I use the word all of the above? Is that a suitable answer?
0: That is correct. There's all right, there answer. we go. So the first question of the day, probably the, the hardest one. Tell nice. us About yourself, who are you, and what is your story?
1: That is a pretty little That's like three questions in one. Really, do you think about it, man? Well, I don't, I don't know. That's we cheating. You say that, it
0: was going to be easy, you know?
1: Right, all right. So, um, for those who don't know me, my name is Joshua Davidson. Um, as you just mentioned, I'm 22 years old. Um, pretty much, that's the most personal summary I can give you. But my true story is, I'm an entrepreneur. I've helped launch a little over 150 different companies to date, a little over $100 million worth of valuation in companies, um, a little over 200 full-time employees out of the country. Uh, countries yeah, companies that we have created. Um, my main company that does all this is called Chopdog, C-H-O-P-D-A-W-G.com, because when I was 16 years old, I thought that was cool, and it has stuck. Um, but in reality, what we do at Chopdog is we work with non-technical entrepreneurs, and now some technical companies who have great ideas but lack technical resources or technical knowledge on how to make these ideas become reality and we help bring them to market and when you think of a technical product it's everything from an iPhone to an Android to web to wearable to now we're starting to experiment a little bit in in virtual reality Um, so we're having a lot of fun, we're even partnering with more hardware, software and we pretty much have no limitation when it comes to technology and we work with these Amazing entrepreneurs, now amazing companies, and help build their infrastructure, build their product, get them to market, help them reach profitability, help them raise funding, help them att- um, get basically media attention, get acquired, whatever their objective is. And we do all of this under one roof at Chop Dog. And going into the third portion of the question, which is how I got started, I honestly started as a website sign company. But early on, I realized a couple things, which is one, website design by itself is rather boring. And really, I identified my passion early on, which is about growing companies and scaling and executing. And I also realized early on that one of the things I guess you can kind of call it ego, to me is more self-awareness. Not only was I passionate about the idea of executing, I believe I'm very good at it. And it's something that not many people are. And at the same time, I realized I'm following a lot of Incubators, accelerators, Y Combinator, Techstars, 500 Startups, Dream Adventures, the list can go on and on. They're absolutely amazing, but the issue is if you're a non-technical individual with a great technical idea, statistically you have a better chance of getting into MIT than you do into getting one of those programs. And As I guess as some entrepreneurs call it leaving a lot of meat on the bone, there's a bigger market share there than the people getting into these programs and realize early on there's opportunity here because development firms that exist, pardon my French. Either they're horseshit, they suck, or they charge a second mortgage in order to afford them. And we realized early on if we can apply an incubator development for a model, but at the same point in time, apply it to the non technical entrepreneur who happens to have a great idea, magical things can happen. So we've been doing this now for a little over six years. It's mentioned, a little over 150 companies i have launched, done it in all different ecosystems, all different industries. And when I say all different industries, I mean it. We have gone from bartering, trading, social network, stock market, professional cuddling, golf, baseball, sports, entertainment, utility, you probably can think of it, odds are we have worked with it or we've talked with someone that can work with it. Mm. And fortunately, it's been awesome. We've really, I think over the last 24 months, of have hit our stride where we pretty much become an international company with international clients, national mostly still, but and it's incredible. So Pretty much your three loaded questions start off with me. Kind of like the most macro overview, under five minute spiel of it.
0: Yeah, it's a great start so far. Um, So where does your passion come from? Where did it all really begin? You mentioned obviously being 22, uh, a six-year-old company. You were practically uh, a baby when you first started (laughs) this thing. So um, where did it really come from? Where did it
1: start? You know the famous startup quote from, I believe, Ben Horowitz? He slept like a baby. (laughs) Starting his company, he cried every night. So it's one of my favorite quotes. But so the passion started, so I got involved early with technology. What I mean by that, like early in my life, not like early from technology. I was the kid who used to play with AOL, Um, the kid I used to play on Yahoo GeoCities and code MySpace layouts and things like that, that a 10, 12, 14 year old, 8 year old shouldn't be messing around with. I realized early on that one of the things I love to death is making a computer, a technology, do what I want it to do. Like that first second you realize you can do that, you're like, holy shit, I made that. Right? It's just the coolest feeling in the world. And then I realized a little bit later in my teenage years that you know you can have more than one passion that kind of funnel together. And if you look at some of the best entrepreneurs out there, usually they're not just passionate about what they're doing they're passionate about business and i'm definitely passionate about that but the vertical that connected the dots between business technologies i realized i was very passionate about building products and solving problems that people could use and as a kid i made a few websites sold a couple of them one of my favorite stories is i made a fan site to a local theme park that i grew up to called six flags great adventure that ended up getting a lot of attention from six flags i was 14 years old hanging out with like the park president, and corporate of Six Flags, and getting more traffic than their main website was getting, and that's a lot of influential power to a main corporation publicly listed on the New York Stock Exchange, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a lot of fun as a kid, and um, you know that kind of united in my final passion, which was to business. Which was I realized, I guess maybe part of its ego filling, I. I
0: Josh, so just continue your story about Six Flags.
1: Totally. So, pretty much, as a kid, made a web fan site for Six Flags near me, and ended up getting even more visitors than their main website at one point. And if you can imagine, they're a publicly listed New York Stock Exchange company. So, I had a lot of memories as a kid. Ended up selling that fan site, and um, still exists actually for those who dig deep in my internet past. Nice. And but pretty much. I realized at an early age that there's nothing more fun than building companies, building things that people love, using technology to do that. And also, I guess I'm very, very fortunate that I was born in this time era where it's kind of like the modern day Wild West of using technology for your own personal benefit. And then all that just kind of meshed together when I was 16 and starting this company for Chop Dog and what we do today.
0: Mm. So, tell me a little bit about the very early of uh, beginning of Chop Dog. What were some of the struggles that you had in the very early beginning of your career?
1: Well, it's important to note when I started Chop Dog, it was not visualized to be a company that we're doing today by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it was more of just a website design company, and it was only me. In fact, I used to actually develop and do lines of code and design things using Photoshop, and people remember Macromedia Fireworks. Um, that's how long ago it's been. So now I'm the dumbest guy in my own company. So I have a lot of smarter individuals who get to do that. Mm-hmm. And I get to have more fun doing the things I love to do. So, one of the earliest struggles, honestly, being taken seriously at a young age, which I'm sure you can probably imagine a 16 year old trying to sell himself. And I've always been a very charismatic, um, like enthusiastic, passionate individual, a lot of charisma. So, the issue is, I think it catches a lot of individuals off guard, especially when I was a younger self. and. I can out-talk and out-sell a 30, 40-year-old. And part of it comes down to talent. I Trust me, it's like everyone knows what they're good at, and I believe everyone has individualized talent. I realized early on, even if I can't say all my words properly, and for some reason I can butcher words left and right, I can communicate better than most people can, and I can do in a way that relates to people better than most. And it's a great skill to have, and something I think that's actually correlates to the success of our business as I'm able to communicate that. Um, so I think one of the early struggles is being taken seriously, and honestly, learning how to run a business is a lot easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And because I never really had a true real job except for being a busboy at a Red Robin, nice. um, that's you know I had no corporate background, I had mm-hmm. no understanding. So a lot of what I've learned is by trial and error, learn as you go. We're now at this situation where we are as a company, where I have twenty two individuals who work with us full time, um, hire the smartest people in the world who knows what they're doing and then rely on their judgment when you need to. Though, I tell people this all the time, you do that to a certain uh, extent, other part you always stick with your gut too because your gut's what got you there. So it's finding that complementary mix of the smartest people mixed in with what you believe inside of you is most accurate and then kind of making the most informed decision from there. Mm.
0: So tell me a little bit about your biggest
1: failure thus far. Biggest failure so far? No, there's several. I have pretty much probably every mistake you could probably think of I've made at once point in time, and that's probably one of the reasons why I'm here where I'm at now. And I'm sure I'm probably making 40 mistakes today and at least two while I'm on this call. So biggest failure is tough. I definitely believe earlier on we learned early about overpromising, promising under-delivering, and it's something that I fully embrace. And um, I think we've learned a better harness how to communicate as a company versus individual and when you communicate, you manage expectations and as well over-delivering expectations is key because if you can provide disproportionate value to a client, to a customer, they're going to come back to you. It's almost as if they feel they owe you. And at early on, especially the first several years, understanding what we are really, really good at, how we're going to execute it, and how to be transparent about that. And definitely early on, that was one of the biggest struggles and failures you can say that we did. So it's really hard for me to kind of – because I think a failure is quitting to me. That's really definition. And I don't think we failed as much as we struggled, made mistakes, and learned from. So that's kind of where my perspective at. But that's definitely something that we have definitely have learned and why we are who we are today and where we're going is from kind of learning as you go and how to communicate and how to efficiently run a business for what's best for what's most important, your clients. Mm.
0: So tell me about uh – how you've been able to become more efficient throughout your day. Uh, what are some of the habits that you instill within yourself personally, not so much within you know the, the business as well, but more so you? Uh, how are you more efficient?
1: So I believe this is a 3 answer I'm going to give you. One, we as humans are basically creatures of habit, and the more you do something, the more efficient you become. So if you force yourself into a routine, the more efficient as such a routine you become. What might one day take you an hour if you keep doing it every single day might take you 40 minutes, 30 minutes, and maybe 20 minutes a few weeks later, a few months later, a few years later as you keep doing it. So that's number one is forcing yourself into a routine, a habit that you can stick to almost daily. For example, I wake up at the same time every single day no matter what time zone I'm in, no matter where I'm traveling. The only circumstance I don't wake up that early is because I'm waking up earlier due to travel arrangements. It's like the only circumstances. And I take the Tim Ferriss strategy, which Tim Ferriss says you punish yourself. You stay up to 3 in the morning and your alarm's going off at 6 every morning. You get three hours of sleep and you wake up. That's part of being a routine. So that's number one, um, being a creature of habit and just becoming more efficient off of that too. A lot of self-awareness, 100%. I know when I feel like I'm more introverted versus extroverted in a day. Um, and I know when I'm more extroverted, I'm better at selling, better at talking to people, better at communicating. So therefore, I know the times of the day that I'm more efficient at talking to individuals. I know the time of the day where I feel more maybe introverted. Um, and then that might be time where more me time, focus on gym, um, doing something in that type of manner, something that's going to be maybe a to-do list, things which revolve when less people. Um, and then third, which is the honest, and this is not a cop-out answer, is and this is what I've learned over the last 24 months, or so today, is health-related. Um, what you eat and how you work out and how you sleep does translate to how efficient you are day-to-day. Day. I try to go to the gym four to five days a week. Sometimes I'll do six or seven. It depends on my availability. But at the same point in time, I'm all about trying to now add muscle. So going seven days a week is actually not a good idea because you want time for your body to basically add to those gains, right? You, know, you just got to go like that. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality is... Um, what you eat, so don't eat crap, um, watching your macronutritions. So one of the things I observed is I notice if I eat a lot of carbs in the evening, I feel very sluggish in the morning versus if I eat a lot less carbs at night, I'm usually more efficient waking up in the morning. Um, so things like that all kind of play a factor in how can you really hack your efficiency and be more productive in the day.
0: Gotcha. So what are some of the resources that you use every single day that you can't live without? So, uh, so it, you mentioned the gym. Uh, yeah, So no,
1: it's very. I don't want to sound materialistic whatsoever, but my computer, my sure. phone, um, and probably the gym and food. Right. So, so those are really the big things. Like I tell somebody actually recently asked me the question, "What is one thing you could not live without?" And technically, you could live without anything. Sure. But I think the one which would be the most financial and stressful to me would be a computer, with an internet connection. Because at the end of the day. All I need is my MacBook Pro to run my business and be wherever. Mm-hmm. And in fact, whenever I travel from either meeting with clients or speaking gigs or whatever it might be, all I'm with me is a backpack of clothes, deodorant, um, maybe um, a few like snacks on the go and my computer, right? And of course my phone, but right. even then, my, my, if I needed to, if I did have my phone, my computer can replace my phone. So really my computer is really just the centerpiece of all I need to be a happy and Fulfilled life as shallow as it sounds because it's not meant to be materialistic, but it can definitely come off that way without the context.
0: Sure, no, absolutely. But I think uh, go go so go a little bit deeper in with your phone. Um, tell me like an app that you used uh, throughout your day, whether it's on your phone or your computer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of like what type of apps that you that you use. Ever so I only I only
1: use a few apps okay. outside of our client apps. I try to keep it very key. So. First app I use is, and I'll pull it up now actually so I can really do this. So text messaging is one. Um, there's no doubt about it. And I'm not talking about personal. A lot of times I'll, with my employees, with my team, we're texting and my clients. So just going through right now, Slack is a huge, huge, huge app. It's how internally I talk with my team. My Fitness pals, how I track all my meals, my workouts, my weight. Um, just going through Uber is pretty much all how I travel now outside of train or planes, Uber train, planes, and then occasionally drive my car. Mm-hmm. Um, Breathe is a great app. I'm trying to meditate once a day, and I use that for meditation. And then your basic social media applications, and that's pretty much it. Oh, and um, I use Squarespace Note, which is surprising. I know Squarespace, they think it's a website builder, but they have this awesome app called Note, which is a the most simplest text editor ever, which I use to put to-do lists, write down thoughts, stuff like that and um, it's bloody simple. You don't even have to log in a register to use it. Mm-hmm. You just open it, there's the app, and that's always on my home screen. It just picks up where you last left off a note and it's like instant loading. So none of that bullshit, none of those notifications, having it in a format you don't like. So mm-hmm. it's awesome. So that's pretty much it. That's the core of my phone. Um, that or using it as an actual tel- uh, you know telephone device. Never,
0: I don't even know what that means. So we're yeah. not even going to go deep uh, into that. Um, kidding aside, tell me a little bit about your life, about uh, about your daily life as an entrepreneur. You said that you wake up the same uh, the same time every single day.
1: Yep, six a.m. Six so.
0: a.m. So, throughout your day, tell me a little bit about it. Uh, six a.m. It starts. When does it usually end? Yeah, when do you go to the gym? When do you eat? When do you talk to
1: clients? So to answer your question, when I go to the gym, the honest answer is when I have time to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So I'll try to schedule time in the day, but sometimes it'll be the first thing I'm gonna wake up. Sometimes the last thing before I go to bed. Sometimes in the middle of the day. Maybe I didn't book up my whole schedule of meetings. I have time in the middle of the day. In fact, that's the time I most prefer because I'm most energetic, and daylight for whatever reason gives me more energy. So I just it's it's just great to get out of the way. Um, So but pretty much it's kind of. 6 a.m. Wake up, the first hour is kind of meditate, shower, eat breakfast, catch up on missed messages and tweets, answer emails, and then it's usually at the work. But usually, my first meeting is at eight o'clock every single morning, talking to the team. Nine o'clock, starting with clients, I'll be on with clients to about noon. Then, from usually about noon to about like six, seven, eight o'clock at night, um, I'll be talking to potential clients. Then, usually, from about seven o'clock to around 10 o'clock, I'm usually doing things like this interviews, media, um, working on blog posts, any form of content. And then again, gym time might be in the early in the morning before meeting start or it might be after this time. Mm. Um, and that's pretty much day to day when on a normal day, travel days obviously is different. Everything's turned out the window. But other than that, it's kind of like the classic wake up to fall asleep grind kind of format. Mm.
0: Do you believe that there is a formula uh, in order to become successful?
1: Yes, 100%. I believe a talent is a great asset, but not needed. So Some of the greatest people I know, I can tell you right now, don't have the talent to do what they're doing, but they work better and harder and smarter than anyone else. In fact, one of the things I've observed the most and respect the most is I work incredibly hard. In fact, one of the things I think I pride myself on is telling people, I know for a fact if I'm dedicated to it, I'll work my ass off harder than anybody else on the planet on whatever my mind's made up on. But sometimes I don't work smartest and I see people who can work smart do what I can produce results in, in half the time and part of my job as a CEO and just part of bettering myself is working smarter. And that's not suggest I don't work smart at all. In fact, I talk to you about efficiency and productivity and it's a huge deal to me. In fact, I'm willing to bet right now my output is triple what my output was this time last year with the same amount of hours, same amount of allocation. But there's always room to improve and that's one of my goals. So, and I'd rather be the person that works smart and not hard. But I'm the person that will work hard, so if you can apply working hard to the working smart algorithm, as you can call it, right, formula, and I can produce 10x what an average individual can do in a day, therefore, I'm 10x better than the person next to me, next to my competitor, next to anyone, no one will be able to keep up. And that's one of the secrets to really the most successful people I know and really what, don't want to use the word motivates because that's not what motivates me, but adds to the drive of just being better personally, business professional, or whatever it might be. Okay
0: so you you uh when you said your quote earlier, you kind of cut off, but tell me your favorite quote again
1: What was my favorite quote again? What it was, was it?
0: about uh, sleeping like a baby
1: oh yeah so one of my favorite quotes there you go so it's so uh Ben Horowitz quote when you're an early stage company, which is that when he started his first company, um, he slept like a baby, he cried every single night mm.
0: is that your fi- you said that's one of your favorite quotes one of my have favorite-, a favorite quote?
1: I know I do. Well, I have a few, so I'm trying to think one that sticks out. One that sticks out right now just because I reread it again recently was – who said it? I can't remember. It might be Reed Hoffman. It's basically people who have plan Bs um, typically will never get plan A done because they have a fallback in plan B. Mm. And I'm definitely paraphrasing it terribly, but it's pretty much a close saying – do not have a plan B because you're going. To, you have a fallback, therefore you have a comfort zone. Only have a plan A and make plan A happen. And nice. it's pretty much one of the mantras I live by. And people know is that I don't. If whatever my mind's made up on, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, if it doesn't happen, it just doesn't exist in my vocabulary. In fact, I rather I think I probably would die than not have one of my goals accomplished. Right. And I think that's what separates me from maybe the average entrepreneur and the type of mindset I think the best of the best has is that you know you got to – you gotta be all in. You kind of sure. gotta be 100% in.
0: Fifty cents at the best, get rich or die trying, right? And there you go. So uh, this is the uh, second to last question. And the blind entrepreneur is an individual that that wants to be an entrepreneur, but doesn't necessarily know how to execute their strategies. They have this false ideology that you know because they quit their job and become an entrepreneur that they could become billionaires or millionaires or whatever it may be. Um, what are three pieces of advice that you'd give to an entrepreneur today uh, if they're, uh, when they're starting out?
1: Well, I'll use Jack Dorsey's first quote as number one, which is that it took him eight years to be an overnight success. Mm-hmm. So the people that think they're going to get rich, it's, if that's your motivating – so here's the thing. So it kind of circles back to our earlier conversation, which is number one, it's actually perfectly okay if some of your goals are, I want to be rich. I want to be my own boss. I don't want to work nine to five. You know, whatever. You want to fill your up your ego. Uh, that's actually okay. In fact, I'm willing to bet every entrepreneur you'll ever meet will have some of those goals in there. But the issue is, and I can go completely off topic about how people vilify that, and it shouldn't be the case. But the thing is, when the going gets tough, when you're in the grind, those aren't the things that are going to be your crunch. What it is going to be is your purpose, why you're doing what you're doing. For example, it drives me. Is twofolded, which is I love helping entrepreneurs with amazing ideas, and I love bringing ideas to life, and this just goes hand in hand, and that drives me. So when the going gets tough, if you're not sold on your purpose, why you exist, it doesn't matter what those other goals are; those aren't those aren't a clutch; they won't hold you, but these will. These won't break no matter how much it gets tough. So I think that's number one. Um, number two is that. If you're going in and think you're going to be rich tomorrow, unless you're doing a Ponzi scheme, it's not going to happen, and I don't recommend a Ponzi scheme. Um, in fact, one of the things I don't often share most about people is the first three years, maybe made combined $30,000 after a profit in three years. Like That's not – all right, I shouldn't say that's shit, but that's pretty pathetic compared to the amount of hours I'm putting in compared to what if I just did a normal job, right? Hey, but so but your life, though. Yeah, it, I mean, it, the dividends didn't start paying off till later. And even now, right now, this is something I'm very proud of is this past year, I actually took a $0 paycheck from my company. We invested all of it back in. Um, fortunately, I have speaking gigs, things like that on the side, which do allow me to finance a livelihood. And those things are okay because I'm not really going to reinvest in that. That's kind of more automated. I love it, but it's more of a side hobby that kind of allows me to sustain. But because of that, I can allocate more back in my business, therefore I can get more return out of it. For example, we've already quadruply, that's definitely not a word I just said, quadruple our, our growth of all of last year so far, and it's November, and our fourth quarter historically has always been our biggest quarter. In fact, last year, half of our revenue came from just the fourth quarter. So if you follow the trend, we're going to be sixfold minimum of what we were last year. That's astounding. And um, part of it I know is because we do invest Almost every single dollar we get back into our team members, um, better infrastructure, into advertising, into ways to get our word out there. We're doing amazing things right now. So it's kind of understanding how that works. And three, this is actually something I'm very, very, very lucky about. I started entrepreneurship at a time where I think I had the least amount of stress in my life, right? High school, student, and just out early, early age. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Um, honestly, my bills are very minimal. I, I pay apartment rent. I pay for car, insurance, health, things like that. Maybe that's it, right? I don't have mouths to feed. No one depends on me, but me personally. Company's a different story. Um, you know, I take that very seriously. But when it comes to personal, it's probably the least point in my life I'll ever have this least amount of responsibilities because, you know, 10 years from now, I could be married, have three kids, have a mortgage, things like that. Where right now shit hits the fan as worse as it would be. And I'll take it probably most personal to my team and my clients. But I could always fall back to my parents as embarrassing would be it is what it is mm-hmm. versus the circumstances 10 to 20 years from now it could be absolutely terrifying daunting so you know especially those younger individuals there's there's no better time than the present even then I know older individuals who talk me the times say the same thing you know it's better to to live a life giving it all than asking yourself what is what if so it's kind of the way to look at it
0: yeah sure absolutely and so so the last question is my personal favorite um, so imagine you just had the worst day of your life. Uh, you're extremely down in the dumps. You're, you're on the point of, of depression. And uh, you need to pick me up. And the pick me up, and so you're looking for a pick me up, and you're looking for that one f- piece of food that will instantly make your day that much better. Where are you going, what are you eating, and how is it
1: uh, impacting so, your so life? This question is very easy because I love food. So there's probably any form of food. Sure. But, um, all right, it could be any of the following. It could be sushi. It could be a cheesesteak. Anywhere in the city is awesome. It could be a sketch burger. I mean, that the police is the bomb. Um I'm trying to think of one, like, true novelty food. My mom's chicken, Marcella, is the shit. So I would totally, totally... Rock eating chicken, Marcela. Any of those? Honest, honestly, it's very difficult for me, like, to have a bad food. And I'm eat actually very basic food because I'm like on a modified Paleo diet when I'm at home. So I kind of break off Paleo when I eat out, and then when I'm home, it's only Paleo based stuff. So honestly, anything. So food's an easy pick me up.
0: Cool. Well, Josh, thank you so much for your time thus far. Um, basically, if you just want to tell us a little bit about how people can find you uh, and how people can reach out to you and, and be a part of your uh, your brand.
1: Cool. So personally, Twitter.com slash Dash Joshua, D A S, Joshua, kind of like Das Boot, but Joshua. Facebook.com slash Dash Joshua. Instagram.com slash Dash Joshua. LinkedIn.com slash Dash Joshua. Snapchat username is Dash Joshua. Or you can go to ChopDog.com, C H O P D A W G.com. Or if you can't spell, or you can spell, depending on definition, go to D-O-G, chop, dot D O G, Chop.dog. Nice.
0: Cool, Josh. Well, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for everything. Thanks, Just man. Good luck.